you are watching, probably, or listening to episode 94 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. On this one, we're going to talk some 2021 NFL draft. Dave really wasn't paying that much attention, but he knows that football players were drafted. Maybe soccer players were drafted. Maybe they saved the Super League. We'll talk about that on this episode. Other randomness, of course, and some wrestling talk towards the tail end. All this and more coming up on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. Hashtag save the Super League, as you know. I'm Carlos. That's Dave. You know what? It's really not fair to to joke about the fact that it might have been saved when really it hasn't been yet, and and that hurts me deep inside, Carlos. I still hold out hope. I think I think if anyone is capable, there, there's only two people that I would trust to do something as precious as bring back the Super League. As you know, Roger Goodell obviously is a very competent commissioner. Um, you know who's beloved, beloved, and at the draft, mm-hmm. I felt the love. I felt, they were low, they were diminished capacity, but I still felt the love. I felt it. All right. And and the only other commissioner I can think of, like offhand, like the name escapes me. It'll come to me later. Yeah. I'll think yeah, about it. But that I, that name, that guy that we can't think of his name, he was busy this week. He he did do a thing this week. I'm sure he did many things. <laughs> Few of them good, but it is what it is. Anyway. So yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. So anyway, how's the week? Uh, not bad. Not bad. I finished up with, uh, you know, reports and stuff for one class. Uh, it's done. Started teaching drama solely online, which is interesting, to say the least. And then uh, I read. And so this week I finished reading the Motorcycle Diaries, uh, the Che Guevara's book, or like book that's been published of his diaries that he went on this motorcycle journey, which is really more of a like hitchhiking in the back of a truck journey. But, you know, Motorcycle Diaries sounds better. And it was, it wasn't the part that got me the best was, I mean, I'd seen the movie a while back, but the, to reading it was the part in Peru because I've actually been to Peru. And I would say most of what he talks about in there, I've actually been to, uh, which was kind of cool to sort of relive that, uh, and experience it that way. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, gotten to some wrestling, watching some old Hulk Hogan matches and yeah, that's about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, mostly, uh, mostly just stuff around the house. Uh, the new freezer is set and done, taken care nice. of. Nice. Yes, yes. So it's uh, it's working. It's doing its job. I got to still fix the refrigerator, but uh, right now the freezer is empty, so that's good. So that's going to cost one less thing that cost me some trouble. Um, got my workout in, bringing it in, but it wasn't it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. It's good. Um, it's too bad you couldn't do it in the winter, and then you don't really need the free- you could just put it in your living room. That is a thing. Yes, that is the thing I could have done. Yes, that is true. But you know, it is what it is. You got to do what you can. But anyway, it's not like it's that warm right now. Anyway, so no, it's it's not. It's it's yeah. comfortable, but it's yeah. been really windy. I would say this. I would say though, this is the type of weather that I'm okay with, only because it isn't extreme in any direction. Correct. It's not super hot. It's not super cold. I can wear I can wear layers if it's a little cool. But if it's cold, it sucks. If it's super humid, hot, I don't mind. Humid, I don't like. But two different things. But you know, progress is being made. Work it, working on saving for the heat pump. So that's uh, so we're working mm-hmm. towards that. So right now, if we can just stay at kind of this level, it actually works great because then I can just do my thing in the meantime, and it's like oh, that's fine. Yeah. So we'll be good there. But that'll be fun. So let's uh, let's get into the NFL draft a little bit. All right, let's um, do it. As you mentioned, you you weren't paying too close attention to it, but the truth is, I will say. Uh, the NFL draft this year really was devoid of a lot of the drama. There were only a handful of things that I thought were particularly interesting. Really, it was paying attention to the first couple of picks just to see what happened. And then we'll talk about the Aaron Rodgers thing in a minute. But let me start off with the draft itself. All right. And then I'll get to the Aaron Rodgers thing. I'll transition it from there. Sounds good. 
So obviously, Trevor Lawrence being picked first overall by the J- Jacksonville Jaguars. The shock, not a no surprise, one, not shock of no one. I do thought I was, I do, thought did think it was interesting that they did have a the Jaguars had a second pick in the first round and they used it to draft Etienne, who uh, was his teammate, his running back uh, in Clemson. So they were able to get the pair of them in the first round. So that was a yeah, like for you're, sure. you're looking for little interesting little side stories. It's like, okay, that's kind of a cool one. Or the, I mean, no, this wasn't, but what was it? The, what team I should have written this down. They drafted the uh, player with the same name in the same round. So I had two picks. It was like round three, maybe, maybe four. And they picked, uh, they picked, I'm going to look it up, but they picked a a player with the same name. (laughs) Like both picks were the same name player. Oh, right. Yeah. I think, I think I did hear about this, but I don't remember the name of it. And actually, this reminds me. I do uh, so. What I'm going to do in this first part is I'm going to go through a couple of the things and talk about a couple of these picks. Just it was also was the New York Jets. Uh, so I know because they had an early pick. So they they picked Michael Carter with their first pick on day three, and then they took Michael Carter again, but a different but, Michael Carter. That's always the best, though. Like that's literally what you want. And uh, so what I'll do here, I just want to queue up a picture for when the moment is right. I'll get back to a picture in a second. All right. All right. I did use this picture in a. Uh, I did use this picture on my Friday live stream, but no, it's it's still worth okay. using. And I, and I know you have other stuff to say, but I would I would always ask this: Are you happy with the Green Bay draft? I I I cannot claim either happy or not happy because I have no idea who the hell that is. <laughs> I had to go look it up. It's like I don't know who this is. I mm, sure yeah. great. That was kind of my thing with the Saints. I was like, uh, I'm kind of surprised you didn't take a you know defensive back, but hey, or the. Yeah, it was uh, the way I classified. It was funny because uh, because I was explaining. We I did spend some time talking about the draft on Friday, but part of the reason I explained it is I said I I was interested in the context of the overall, and then I'm also taking the card hobby side of the slant a little bit as well. But one of the things I said is like I'll, I watch a fair bit of football. Uh, I have the stream package when it's on, you know, the season's on and I'm watching games, including the Packer games, but I'm also watching the other team's games as well. A lot of Sunday night football, Monday night football, you know, if they got Thursday night football, I'm watching that too. So I'm watching a reason, a fair number of games, but I'm not going to claim myself to be much more than like an, a, um, an informed casual viewer. I'm not a hardcore who's in it, you know, all the way down to the point that I could intelligently draft an NFL draft. I'm not paying attention to it. I'm not paying attention to the prospects. I'm really not watching college football very much other than the odd game here and there and, you know, uh, the playoff rounds a little bit. I'll watch some of the uh, college playoff and a couple of the bowls and stuff like that. But just it's something to watch, just something for fun. But I don't have any knowledge base. Like, I know the main names. I know, you know, when you say Trevor Lawrence, it's like, yeah, I've heard Trevor Lawrence's name so much that, yeah, I'm familiar Zach yeah. Wilson, you know, a couple of these other quarterbacks talking about these frontline quarterbacks. I know who these people are, but the fourth overall pick was Kyle Pitts. I don't know who that is. He's a tight end from Florida. Yeah, I'm sure, exactly. I'm sure he's good, but I don't know. I don't know. And that was a bit of a surprise, too, to have a, a, a tight end drafted that high, right? Yeah. I think, though, one of the interesting things. So Trevor Lawrence, like I said, was number one. Uh, we'll get a chance to talk more about him later down the road for sure. Uh, Zach Wilson was kind of interesting for the Jets uh, because the Jets having a bunch of different options because there were a couple of quarterbacks seen after Trevor Lawrence. There were a couple of quarterbacks that were seen as the potential maybe could be the number two. In the end, the Jets decided to go with uh, Zach Wilson. We'll see if they're able to do anything better with him than they did with Darnold because the issue wasn't we the jury's still out on whether Darnold's any good or not. Uh, the idea is like, well, you know, he's ruined now. It's like, well, we'll see if he plays better. In Ca- if they find a way and he plays better in Carolina, the Jets will look like crap. Because then the question is like, okay, can you do better with Zach Wilson? Because what's the difference, really? Other than he's younger and you haven't ruined him yet. <laughs> but does he have the talent to then 
do something with it if you are able to put better pieces around him, which yeah. is what you're going to need to do anyway in exactly. order to have any success. Uh, the third pick was the one that I think there were a lot of question marks, and that'll bring us back to the Aaron Rodgers thing in a couple of minutes. But the third pick was the potential one that could have been dangled uh, to maybe make a deal for Rodgers. That isn't to say it still couldn't be, but the third overall pick was Trey Lance, a quarterback out of North Dakota State, the infamous yeah. North Dakota State. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, sure. Um, I'll skip ahead a couple of these because a lot of these, like I said, a lot of these names I don't know too much. Uh, now, the no, pick number nine, the Broncos, was an interesting one as well because – there were still a couple of quarterbacks left, and I'll get to a couple of the quarterbacks here in a moment. But the thing is that the Denver Broncos need a quarterback, but they they drafted a cornerback, Pat Sertan II, for, out of Alabama. Um, the Broncos is interesting because they are another potential destination for Aaron Rodgers. Again, I'll get to Rodgers more directly in a second, but I'm, I'm just pointing out a couple of these spots. And apparently one of his preferred destinations as well. Correct. Yeah, so it's on that short list along with San Francisco and like – so Denver's another one. Now, the next one that's interesting is, so as a result of these happenings, uh, at number 11, the Chicago Bears got Justin Fields, who is pretty highly regarded by some folks as a potential quarterback uh, prospect uh, out of Ohio State. Uh, we'll have to see. But if he turns out to be a decent quarterback, that is, I was thinking about it on Friday, I think that's the fir- that would be the first decent Chicago quarterback maybe ever. I don't know. Jim McMahon? He actually wasn't good at quarterback. He was fine. Like he, he, was, he was good enough. Yeah, he was good enough. And the team was good. And that defense was great in 85. I but- personally like to think, in all honesty, maybe not all actually total honesty. I personally like to think Henry Burris was a good quarterback. He no. he did play for the Bears. En Francais, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's true, right? Like Chicago, was- Chicago for their long history actually don't yeah, Chicago, have a Chicago quarterback. And quarterbacks don't necessarily uh, go together, right? Yeah, and the thing is, like I said, in '85, in '85 they had a really good team. So, like, as they had a really good team. Now, like I said, Jim McMahon wasn't bad. You know, I, I like to think of him. You know, if I'm categorizing him, I like to think of him as like a, a more talented Tom Brady. Uh, yeah. You know, like a game manager. You know, kind of guy who's like, your job is not to get in the way. You know, as you know, and they won a Super Bowl for that, so it worked out. But um, like, as far as a quality quarterback play, uh, Chicago doesn't have much to speak of because I was talking to. Um, how wanna, dare to, you? How dare you talk about Jay Cutler that way? Well, that's that's what I was going to get to. Uh, is that the the guy, uh, the buddy that I was talking to on Friday was was is a Broncos fan? So he was saying like, yeah, the only guy I can think of is Cutler, and for reasons of Denver Broncos, I'm not a big fan of Jay Cutler. And I go, well, there aren't too many Jay Cutler fans outside of Jay Cutler's immediate family. So there's not, there just isn't. You know, True. we're fans of him for the for the hilarity. Um, you know, and I think he has some fans in the reality TV world because as a reality TV character, Jay Cutler is money. The man is money. But as an NFL quarterback, not so much. He he got paid a lot of money, but he isn't money. As a reality yeah, TV star, no, though, sure. money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just so I just want to point this out. I know this is obviously a little bit off topic, but I just brought up the list of all the starting quarterbacks for the Chicago Bears since 1920. Sure. Yeah, it, it there is. It's the void. It's not even like they had, you know, somebody who who ended up, you know, backing them up after they were, you know, a superstar, right? It's not like they had someone such as, say, you know, uh, you know, Jim Kelly after some if somehow he was finished with the Bills and then he went to another team for yep. like a cup of coffee just to back up and you know basically hold the clipboard. Nope, they don't even have anybody like that. Nope. You know, they have nobody. It's they don't even have a washed up name. That's what I mean. Yeah, nothing. No. Right? It's, you, you know, 
like Kyle Orton, Cordell Stewart, one season. You know, there are names you know and names you have heard of if you follow football. But if you're talking about the great players on the Chicago Bears, right, none of them are quarterbacks for their entire history. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. It is very strange. Um, And as a result of that, like, it it made me laugh because the opportunity was missed. To me, if I was the Chicago Bears, I would have pitched real hard and thrown a bunch of money to get Favre in there for a season just to take some snaps. go By default, you are the greatest quarterback this franchise has ever had. Well, and that would have been interesting, too, obviously, with the NFC North rivalry, too. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. I don't know if he would have done it for that reason, but who knows? It still would have been interesting. But they had it's not like they haven't had chances to do that to a variety of people. They could have had. They could have had Youngo King. Well, you know, Youngo King is an entirely different kettle of fish, Dave. Entirely different kettle of fish. We'll get. We'll get to talking about your team later on, uh, but not today. But anyway, so yeah, so that was kind of interesting. So like I said, if Justin Fields turns out to be decent, by default he vaults right to the top of the list almost immediately. If he turns out to be any good, True. we'll have to see. The jury's still out, but you know, people are high on him. There's some folks that are definitely. Yeah, but high on I him. think even as I mean, you never know because when you look back on it. You know, like for was it Ryan Love? Is that the name? What was his name? Ryan Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf. Sorry, thank you. Yeah. Right, that you know there was the number one pick. People were high on him, and and look what happened. Was right? that a Freudian slip combining it with Jordan Love? I see what it you did been. there. I see what you did there. <laughs> it probably was, but the point is, you never know. But it, 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 at this point, it's like the draft looks good from that perspective, right? Yeah. It, it looks very good that they did that, and hopefully, it works out for Chicago. Maybe you'll actually have a a you know, serviceable quarterback that isn't named Jay Cutler. Wow. Ooh, that's uh that's heady praise right there. My friend. You know, and I only said serviceable. I didn't say, you know, hall of fame caliber. I didn't say elite. at this point, serviceable would be an improvement. It would be right. I mean, Miss Mitchell Trubisky has had his moments, but he has yeah, not he's had made like moment. a pass. He's made like a pass here or there. Yes. Yeah. There, are there a game here or there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, not so great. Not so great. Uh, but yeah, no, like, we'll see. Like, I, I'm curious from that perspective, and at least it gives Kazoo potentially some potential interest from his adopted, isn't really following team. So there you go. It's true. That could be a thing. It's true. Yeah. So, uh, so at number 15, the Patriots pick Mac Jones. Um, again, another quarterback here where we'll have to see what happens. Um, like I said, you know, as I like to dub him, you know, athletically superior Tom Brady, um, uh, you know. Uh, if you take Tom Brady's like athletic attributes and like bump them up 150%, which to say like above average, that's Mac Jones. Apparently. Apparently. We'll He's see. got a better vertical and a better 40 time, man. I was told this by the draft people. This is what I was told. You know what I find it's interesting about this though? And this has happened a couple of times in the, in the, the last little bit, right? Is that I wonder what the plan is for some of these teams. Right. And and what they're really thinking and what the communication is. And I guess you can use this as your segue to Aaron Rodgers or you can't. Almost, but, almost. There's one but, more but, thing. But I, I wanna to I wanna say so I can I'll use two other examples then, mm. if I can remember both while I'm making this point. But first of all, right, uh Jalen Hurts with the Philadelphia Eagles when they had yep. Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an example of of, you know, a team that has a quarterback theoretically obviously that didn't work out but you think that okay you have the guy mm-hmm. and the guys you know maybe not in their prime maybe in their pri- maybe even in their prime but they they definitely have lots of years left right so the thinking was when you for a lot of people especially angry philadelphia fan where you sent me the video where he ranted about it i, I still want to know how he feels about jalen hurts now Fair. but 
right? You're thinking Carson Wentz is going to be the guy for years as long as he stays healthy. Right. Uh, on, paper, you know? on paper, he should have been, though. Like, he's oh, the prototypical sure. He's sure. the prototypical guy that you were expecting was going to be the guy. For sure. But, right? And the, sa- the same thing is now. But the idea is, like, I don't – what I mean is when you have a team that goes, okay, they draft this guy. And it's like, well, why did you draft this guy this high if you have so-and-so? The well, same thing. You know, the Patriots draft Mac Jones, who's probably going to end up being the starter sooner rather than later. Sounds like it. We'll see. But – then the team comes out and goes, Cam's the starter. Right? It's like, then, you know what I mean? Then why did you draft Mac Jones this high? Like, it's like fans and people, I don't know, they, I think they see through it if there is something to see through. But my point is, I, I don't, sometimes I wonder what the front office is doing and, and what strategy they're trying to do and what some of these moves do to team unity potentially, right? Without proper communication necessarily which i'm not sure happens in every case well certainly doesn't happen in every case but maybe has not happened in a couple of recent examples yeah i think um a lot of it comes down to sometimes the team will have the, the problem with front offices in the nfl is that you'll have the team have an idea they'll have this notion they'll be like, okay so our plan is to do x and then some circumstance will change. But then at the same time, for most front offices, there's so much turnover where like, okay, so we had a plan, but if it doesn't work like immediately, we got to do a 180. And it's like, well, the problem is if you keep doing 180s, you never actually advance the ball forward. Team New York Jets. Yeah, we'll get, and I'll get, and like I said, I'll get to the Packers when I discuss the Rodgers piece because it plays in exactly what you just said. For the for the Patriots, um, you're like, you know, my, my dislike for the Patriots is pretty much Tom Brady based. Like, listen, Bill Belichick's evil, but and like I appreciate his evil. He's like Emperor Palpatine. Um, and, like, and like, like, and like I've discussed before, previously, um, Tom Brady is less, he's less Darth Vader and more like, um, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Kylo Ren. Thank you. Like whiny, he, you know, screw him. Like, who cares about that guy? Screw that guy. Um, basically he's like evil, but he sucks. Um, yeah. So like, I'm, I can't, I can't jive with that. Like, you know, I like, I like evil. I like evil. You know, Kylo Ren was cool in the first movie that he was in for a little bit, but not even all of the first movie. Yeah. Basically, as soon as he took off the helmet, you're like, this is not, not no, uh, you know, insult to Adam Driver. But as soon as he took off the helmet, you're like, the coolest factor of what you could have been just is gone now. Correct. Yeah. And now that part- we know you're only wearing the helmet because you think it's cool. Yeah. It's like, it's just lame. Totally lame. Just trash. But anyway, so yeah. So we'll see. Um, like I said, for me, from from the uh, from the glorious, you know, salt mines of, uh, of my existence, the best thing that could happen in the world is that if, you know, athletically superior, you know, Tom Brady, Mac Jones, suddenly like takes the Patriots to the AFC Championship within the next couple of years and they're like, and Bill Belichick's like, I just needed averageness. I did it with Brady and now Mac Jones. Like that would be that would I be kind nothing. of amazing cuz I mean it, it might it might change that narrative a little bit right because there was question at the, obviously at the beginning of last season you know is it more Brady or Belichick and then the obviously Tampa Bay had a better season yeah, but, uh, but the thing is as a result of that people, team it's called they the, had an elite defense yeah with the structure of that team Tom Brady's argument wasn't helped at all the result is great in everything, but I'm like, I think I can list off probably if I sit down and list and look at all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, I can find you 15 to 20 that could have won the Super Bowl with that team. Not all 32, but I could have found 15 to 20 uh-huh. who probably would have been good enough 
to get them back to that spot and maybe win that same Super Bowl, Tom Brady's services were not required. But he gets to take credit for it like he did something. So good for him. Yeah. All right. Can we talk about Aaron Rodgers now, Carlos? I really want to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Well, we will in one second, but there is one more draft pick I need to cover. All right. There's one more draft pick I need to cover. Let's hear it. All right. This is not a big name, but I still need it because the memes, Dave, the memes. All right. All right. I, I need it. At number 20, the New York football giants select Kadarius Tony. Now, I know you're saying to yourself, who? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. You know who else was saying who? New York Giants fans. And you know how I know this? Because when I watched the broadcast, I looked. And as I saw this, it was one of the most wonderful things. It made me so happy. And I'll, I'll pull up the screenshot here in a second. I want to make sure I get the right screenshot. So are you watching the drive li- live? I was watching live. it. Yeah, I had it on the side. I had it on the window. And I wanted to make sure that I, that I was keeping track of what was going on with it. So it was fun for me. So let me make sure I get this one perfect. This should be the one here. Okay. So this is the clip from the broadcast. And what I want to direct your attention to is the man on the right with the mask. And I was watching this part live when they did it. And like, look, the guy was there and you're looking at the guy and, you know, these guys, these people have their hands together. They're about to get ready to clap. And then they say, the New York Giants select Kadarius Tony, And then they're like. That's and the thing is, you can't see the bottom half of his face, but you still know it's like. You still where, know. Where is this? Where are these people? These people are at the draft. There are there were people at the draft, okay. but not but they were like in quarantine sections. The team would get a, a selection of fans that were allowed to attend, but it was a small group. It was so relatively they, so small. So this group. is theoretically all Giants fans. Oh, these are these people on screen here. These are Giants fans. So like, there's look, the, but look look at this guy behind them with their hands on the head. It's cowboy flag. There's a guy wearing a Manchester City thing, and there's a red like okay, fine. But the but little yeah. sections were small. The little pocket but, sections were small. But this is gold. That 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 guy in the number eight jersey, amazing. Like all you need to do is just look, and then you got the guy here with his hands on his head, and you got this other like, guy with his hands amount, on his head. The amount of perplexion in one photo is probably the most I've ever seen in my life. Second, I just like, like if can I can I even see more? He's, he's like, dude, look 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 at it, Dave. Amazing. Is that not amazing. wonderful? I look. I googled that shit while we were talking about this. That's why I said, Dave, I am not skipping past this pick. Fair enough. It needed to be seen. I need you to look at this man's face. This is the face of a man who cheers for the New York Football Giants, and it's like, what are the mistakes that I made in my life that led me to this point? They have Daniel Jones. He's boring. Right there. That is a man. I can't speak to whether he's a good man, a bad man, or a neutral man, but he is a man. Who has made a lot of mistakes? One of these mistakes was cheering for the New York Giants. Facts, facts. So you see, Dave, that's why we can. That's why you have to trust me. We, we couldn't skip past that pick. We could not no. skip that pick. It we was worth it. 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 it was worth it. We needed to talk about it. And now you're all better enriched for it. You're welcome. We are. You're welcome. All right. Now let's talk about the Tom. Now let's talk about the Aaron Rodgers thing. Let's talk about the right. Rodgers thing. I have notes okay. for this, eh? I actually came up with notes. All right. Oh, you, tell you what. You start off. I have opinions. I have thoughts. I can share a lot of different things, but what do you got? All right. So be, I'm not going to go to the Adam Schefter tweet or whatnot. Sure. But the thing was, before the draft – so last year – we have to go back to last year, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Patriots draft uh, Jordan Love with their first pick. Yep. I don't remember what pick it was in the draft, but it was their first pick. But they, which, they, they actually, they actually uh, traded up to get the pick. Okay. 
Remember that detail. It's important detail. That's an important right. piece. So so it looks like they really left the guy, but you're like, wait a minute, you have Aaron Rodgers, right? And then Aaron Rodgers proceeded to get pissed off, but then tell people it was, he wasn't really pissed off, and then came out, played the season, and just killed it. Minus, yep. the, the, minus the NFC Championship. Yep, won the MVP. Yep. And, okay, fine. Basically saying, like, Aaron Love who? Or not Aaron Love, Jordan Love who? Sorry, man, I'm getting my names all mixed up today. Anyway, so before though, there was there's always been sort of rumblings about about how he felt with the team. Obviously, before uh, they got Matt Nagy as as the coach, but seemed th- th- things seemed better now that they had him. But then there were some rumors that Fran, uh, did you Sam- see Matt Nagy? Is is an, oh that he's Lafleur. Matt Lafleur, sorry, uh, I got Matt, yeah, I can't do any names today. Wow. Listen, I got, John, I need you to focus. Got it right. <laughs> See, that's the thing, though. Like, that, you know, John's my middle name, so I can go with that. There you go. Um, anyway, San Francisco was asking about his availability in a trade, you know, before they made their pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ended up drafting a quarterback and whatever. But apparently, the, it boils down to Aaron Rodgers is super pissed off. Uh, apparently, he's met with the GM, the president, and the head coach, but he's, he, like, hates the GM with a passion. Like with mm-hmm. with unbridled passion. Yep. Apparently, there's I'm not sure because I've heard different things and 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 read different stuff that he's been offered a contract extension that he said he wanted, but it maybe wasn't enough because he that seemed to be a thing that he wanted. I don't know. Um, he has he still has three years remaining on his deal, but it's come to the point where there's you know rumors going around and flying around that he might be a no show to camp. That he's even strongly thinking about retiring, which would mean he'd have to sit out this season and could come back. The following season, but if he did that, he would owe Green Bay eleven and a half million dollars this year that he has to pay back, and eleven and a half million dollars next year. Uh, but basically, it all comes back from his being pissed off about Jordan Love, which right. you know, and there, there's there's talk about uh, restructuring his deal as well, which is ha- I think the restructuring has been offered, but not necessarily the extension that he wanted. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me like part of this, if he is that pissed off, I think some of this is maybe a little silly because. You know, he's he's definitely right now in this moment, at this very moment, he's a better quarterback than Jordan Love. I don't really think he should feel threatened by Jordan Love, but I get why you would be, you know, upset at at your team. But I don't know. Like you you'd think that if that's what's really bugging him was that they drafted Jordan Love, they had a year to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with this, Carlos. And I mean, if he leaves, great. Like I don't really care what happens because I'm not a Green Bay fan, mm-hmm. but this is not a good look for that team, considering the caliber of player that Aaron Rodgers is. Mm-hmm. Right. So the first thing is, I don't think it's ran by Jordan Love at all. Um, I think that's a fun little narrative because I've been reading the Packer form. You know, you know how I am with the salt, Dave. Once it's once the moment is right, I, I am in my element. It's like the bat signal. I, I, I swoop into action. I swoop into action. There's salt to be enjoyed here. I'm ready. It's like, it's like I've been called. I, I am needed here. Yeah, I am for needed sure. here. Um, so it was wonderful. I was enjoying it. To the Carlos Mobile. That's right. That's right. And it's like the Carlos Mobile is a, is a is a golf cart that has a really annoying that has a really annoying horn just to piss people off. I love it. It's like it's it's also been known as a troll mobile because that is my mobile. That is what I would do. Um, anyway, the point is that so once I was called into action, I swooped in as as heroes you know do. Not all heroes wear capes, Dave. Not all heroes sure. wear capes. It's it's true, man. But uh, but there I was. I was in my element in my in the moment, and I was like. No, he's not threatened by Jordan Love, but the reality was that Jordan Love, number one, I really don't think they needed to trade up to get Jordan Love. So just from a logical standpoint, you're saying like, look, even if this is your plan, you trade it up to get this pick. 
there's certain things that I need and I'll, I'll reiterate an analogy I gave. So I, I tried to bring it into like a working context so people could like try to imagine it. Yeah. The closest I could do was think a type of, think like a white collar office job, but think like a job that relies on projects. You're doing projects. Now yeah. your success or failure, you're the one quote unquote leading the project or you're one of the people entrusted with leading this project and ensuring the success of the project. But what happens is in a project, you're working in a team. Uh-huh. And no matter how good you may be at whatever it is you do, you simply cannot do every job in this project. So you are only as good as your weakest link. Correct. So if you identify there are certain weaknesses and understanding that your objective is to accomplish whatever this is, yeah. and you know you will be blamed if the if there's failure, at the end of the day, then it behooves you to say to whoever may be able to help at this, saying there's certain personnel we need. We need this, this, and this. In the case of like a project, you could say, well, we need we need a programmer and we need you know a person who could do this and a person who could do this. These are the areas that will help us and give us a better chance at getting this thing done on time, on budget, getting what you want. The result you want, yeah. this is the best way. This is the Packers are the equivalent of the boss saying, all right, we hear you, we got it. Or in this case, they were kind of like, you know, screw off, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we need. And then they went and hired a marketing guy. Now, here's the thing. You could argue, say, well, the marketing guy they hired is a better marketing guy than the one you have. And you could say, yes, that might be true. You might have upgraded this position, but it wasn't what we needed. It didn't actually fix our problem. We're still in the same place we were before. Yes, you've upgraded something, but you didn't upgrade what we needed. We're no closer to our destination than we were before. And then you're going to sit back when we fail and you're going to say, well, we gave you better talent, but you didn't give me the talent that was going to help me with the problem we had. Yeah. The deficiency has not been addressed. Jordan Love was not going to address the deficiency. Even if you're thinking ahead and saying to yourself, okay, let's plan for the future. Fantastic. Do that. But then it needs to be understood that you still have to address the problem. Yeah, because you're trying to absolutely. have your cake and eat it too. You're sitting there like, okay, we have to plan for the future. But at the same time, okay, so then are you in on the present or are you just hoping, crossing your fingers and hoping for the best? Because they went to two straight NFC championships. So they were a game sh- away from the Super Bowl for two consecutive years and did not address the problem either time. This yeah. time around, they did not address the problem, by the way. In this year's draft, they still did not address the problem. The pick they had at number 29, which isn't a great pick, they got they got Eric Stokes, a cornerback out of Georgia. Okay. Cool. Okay. Great. So I got another cornerback. What am I going to do with that? Well, I mean, it, hopefully it helps improve your defense. I mean, it, it's not like you have an elite defense in Green Bay. No, it, it's not. Like I said, it's not a Which bad thing. But it's but not- really, that doesn't seem to be the main issue. No. The main issue is the main issue is that yes, the defense needs to be upgraded, but it's not, like one cornerback isn't going to fix that. Um, at number twenty nine, you're probably not getting an elite level cornerback anyway. You're probably getting a good one, but not a great one. So it's not going to fix your problem anyway. And the reality was, and I and I said it the last couple of years, for many years, the defense was atrocious. Mm-hmm. Now it's merely, eh, it's not great, but it's not the worst. Um, I've definitely seen worse. But the yeah. problem is that. What you did is you ran into this problem like, let's put it this way. The offense isn't great either. It was okay. And statistically, it looked okay in the regular season. But I knew, and any reasonable person would know, okay, so where's our Rodgers going to go? Devontae Adams. Um, what else? Lazard, maybe, this week? Voldemort or... Scanling! Voldemort Scanling! No, but I'm saying, Orvelda Scanling, maybe, question mark? 
Yeah, but you or also didn't have, St. Brown, question as mark? a fan, and you've mentioned this many times, you don't have confidence in anybody other than your number one receiver. on that. Yeah, team. but the problem is if the other team knows this, you're just going to double up the receiver and go, okay, throw it to somebody else. Who are you yeah, going to exactly. throw to? Show me. Who are you going to throw to? Like I said, in the NFC Championship, they were there and they got down by 18. And they still had a shot at the end. If that, if 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 in that one, the big infamous fourth down play, let's say you know that Devontae Adams is going to get doubled, or you know that he's going to be locked up. What if you have one more decent wide receiver who can draw a little attention away? Well, now maybe you go to the number two option, or maybe you go to Lazard. Lazard's not bad. It's yeah. not bad. But what if Lazard is the third option comfortably? You know that he's the third option for sure. Well, then it makes Lazard more effective. It means uh-huh. the likelihood is maybe maybe Lazard will be wide open. Maybe you get that touchdown and you never get to that fourth down situation. You don't have to kick the field goal and the rest doesn't play out. What if you get to the Super Bowl? We're having a different conversation, right? Yep, absolutely. But the choices you made in personnel, not Jordan Love was just an exclamation point. I'm like, you guys are trying to have your cake and eat it too. You're trying to hope that you can run it back and be in this position to contend. But you never got us the you never got us enough to get us over the hump. But then you're making the secession plan where like, okay, so let's say Jordan Love then takes over. Um, you've downgraded a quarterback theoretically, and you still haven't addressed any of the problems. So what's your plan now? Yeah. And for Aaron Rodgers, at the end of the day, it's not his job to care about the secession plan. It's not. No, absolutely. Nor is it anyone else that's currently on the team. It's the right. That's the coaching staff. Yeah, and and like from a from a personnel standpoint, like his guaranteed money is done. So it's, it's like, it's a double-edged sword. It's like on the one hand, okay, look, you're basically saying I'm not the future, which could be or will be the case. But then my guaranteed money is, so if I'm going to deal with this and I know I'm out the door in a year or two, you'd rather just boot me out the door in a year or two anyway. Well, then I may as well get guaranteed money for it or get me out of here and let me go play somewhere else. Because like, I don't think we're going to get over the hump here. You haven't fixed anything. So I go roll out. Let's say I have another great season and we fail again in the NFC Championship for the third straight year. What is the point? We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, hitting, we're hitting the same brick wall over and over again. We're not going to get over this hump because you've done nothing to ensure that we're going to get any further. Yeah. One more cornerback is not going to change life in Green Bay. And they and the problem was, if it had been one or two years, so be it. There was somebody who made a tweet that gave the stat, and there has been one offensive player, a skill position player, drafted in the first round for the Packers since 2002. One. And if you want to count it, well, they drafted a quarterback, Jordan Love, and they drafted in Rodgers back in 2005. But outside of that, wide receivers, you know, running backs, something like that. Nope. Since 2002, one. They're actually not very good at this is the point I'm trying to get at. Yeah. So it's like you're trying to you're trying to work with this. There could very easily be a drop-off. So now from the organizational standpoint, I get the idea that they don't want to acquiesce to the player. But at the same time, it's like, well, you might want to try to get something for him because – I'm 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 going to root for the Packers anyway, but I will say I am rooting for Aaron Rodgers to take this to the take this to the house. Go to the go to, you know to use the mob terminology. Go to the mattresses. Go all the way. If they won't do it, fine. Don't show up. Retire. Do whatever you have to do to be like I'm not coming. So either trade me and get something, or I'll go host Jeopardy. Screw you. And then come back with another team next year. Maybe the year after, right? Maybe. I could see, he, he could. You know, possibly do that, but I think it would be this is a this is a toxic relationship that should have been that should have been separated a couple of years ago, and now's as good a time as any. Just get it done. That is my opinion, 
as a Packer fan, I will watch Aaron Rodgers do his thing. Hopefully he does well. I don't have a lot of faith in the Packers doing extremely well because I don't think there's I don't think they're configured for a young quarterback to succeed. I don't think they are. But we'll see. Uh we'll have to watch. Like I said, and you as you well know, when Favre left Green Bay, I still followed him. I was still a Packer fan. I wa- I watched the Packers do their thing and hopefully they were going to succeed. But I I I got a kick out of uh I got a kick out of his attempt uh, at, at the Jets. I may have a Favre Jets jersey that I may wear ironically at some point for fun in the next couple of weeks, just for fun. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I watched that. And then I watched, you know, them get uh, horrifically screwed out of a completely tainted garbage NFC championship. Trash. An illegitimate one. Like, I haven't seen this kind of illegitimacy since anything New England's done. Oh, my goodness. Like, fake news. Fake news. <sighs> I'm not even, I'm, whatever, man. I don't know what you're talking but about. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, like, right? I mean, I, I hear you, right? Like, it's, well, so we'll see. But I don't know. It seems to, like, I, you know, it's, it's kind of, you kind of wish somebody would take it to the thing. But really, realistically, like, for the team, the best thing to do if you can trade him is probably get something back for him. Yeah. Otherwise, think, uh, he's going to retire. And then you're probably going to struggle with Jordan Love. Even if he becomes a good quarterback, right? Most, most quarterbacks don't have, you know, major success in their first year, regardless of how well they become. Yeah, and the other thing though is that um, we'll see because obviously you know the the draft was is a, was a fun narrative, but one point that is accurate is that if the Packers trade him before June the first, there are cap implications. So if they trade him after June the first, there is the real possibility that I think they save like twenty three million dollars in cap, in dead cap money. Okay. So literally waiting one more month today would be advantageous for them, even if they execute a deal. It does make a difference. Like it's actually a fairly substantial amount of uh, cap space yeah. that they would save by waiting 30 more days. So this story may not be over. Like it could very well be right now. They're kind of entrenched. Like I said, I hope that Aaron Rodgers sticks to his guns because I do think that they, I think this, you know, this coupling needs to be separated and let's just move on. But um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Packers are sitting there like, but here's the thing. If the Packers were smart, they would be like, okay, look, they would. I would reach out and say, like, look, we'll acquiesce to this. Could you shut up? You, could you guys just no more leaks for thirty days? Let us figure it out. We could even come up with a deal in principle, so it's ready to go. But we're not going to announce it and execute it until June the first. Yeah. Just make the deal behind there under the table and be like, look, wink, wink, nudge, nudge nod, nod, mm-hmm. nod, and we'll be fine. Wait until June the first. Yeah. Like, right. There are ways. There are ways. So we'll see. But um, like I said, I think franchise-wise, they would be wise to do that. I think it'll be fun watching the salt pile up in uh, in Green Bay. That'll be that'll be great. Because a lot of because a lot of folks on the board are like, oh, I've lost all my respect for Aaron Rodgers, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there like, uh-huh. <laughs> you were the guy. You were the same guy during the Favre thing, weren't you? And they're like, yeah. and, and some of them were like, well, at least when Favre left, he didn't. It's like, well, didn't Favre threaten to retire like six straight years? He did. I was there. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> it was so good. So good. Like I said, Dave, I am only gaining in power right now. The salt. The salt is real. If I can't have the Super League, then at least I can have this for right now. And the Super League is still in play as far as I'm concerned. It's not dead. I refuse to acknowledge that. Hashtag save the Super League. Just put it on the screen, right? That's what we do. That's all I'm saying. But yes, uh, but it was a fun story. I will say it was fun. Um, and we'll see. And like I said, this year, we I 
I, I have really no sense of some of these picks. Um, I am curious. I'm interested. And we'll see. Uh, Jacksonville, um, it'll be interesting to see if Trevor Lawrence can live up to the billing. That's going to be kind of a big deal. I can tell you from the sports card side of things, uh, his next his next card is going to be big. When the real cards start to come out, that's going to be huge. Huge. Nice. Yeah, Will so, you be picking up some packs to try and get that? Have you seen how much the boxes are going for of that shit? No, I'm I'm curious. That was my next part of that question. Okay, so yeah, I can play into it. So let me let me put it this way. Uh, as far as the draft is concerned, or anything, do we have any other thoughts or questions? No. So I'm not going to do the. Uh, so then I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do the football product yet because uh, the current product wouldn't have Trevor Lawrence in it. But I want to give you. A, I want to give you a different sport for context. For, for context. Okay. So let me go here. I'll just. I'll find this. Will take me a second. Uh, let me find it here. I think this will probably be a good comparable because I want to show this to you for contrast. Different sport, but same principle. Okay, so let's do this one. I will share the screen to show you and we'll talk about it for a second. All right, so our good friends at Panini now have the UFC license, so they've started to release UFC cards. What? That's right. Now, here's the thing. We're at the stage where UFC Prism. I'm going to give you some context for comparison. But Dave, can you read first the black line? What product is this? And then read the price. Sorry, I just... <laughs> I'm having a hard time here, Carlos, with this. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> 2021 Panini Prism UFC Hobby Box. A single box. One box. With 12 packs. Please continue. Okay. The price is this. Sorry, this is on whose website? This is like, a Mirage Trading. So they're uh, they're basically a distributor. I, I've I've they they basically are based out of Montreal. So it is a Canadian site. So I'm not completely going off you know the deep end here. I'm sticking to I'm sticking relatively local. So at least we have some context. Okay. The price is one thousand two hundred ninety nine and ninety five cents. Correct. Let me repeat that: one thousand two ninety nine and ninety five cents. Correct. For how many packs again, Carlos? It is 12 packs. 12 packs. What's in there that's potentially so viable? Nothing. Or is that... Not a damn thing. There is nothing in there. So like I said, now let me give some context. Some context. One of my favorite things, um, one of my favorite sets that I have uh, bought some cards from over time is uh, I've been slowly chipping away at working on the 2018 Topps Chrome UFC autograph set. Okay. I've been putting that together. There are 33 cards in the set. I have about 27 or 28 of them. What so year most story is it? This is 2018. It's only a couple of years ago. Okay. So, so it's not like years and years. It's three years ago. And in that set, you've got Amanda Nunez, current cha- women's champion there in that division. Uh, this division escapes me, but she is the current dominant champion in her division. Um, you've got Chuck Liddell. The Iceman, UFC legend. You've got uh, you've got Ariana Celeste. You know everybody's favorite ring girl. You've got that. Mm-hmm. So you've got so you've got some names there. You've got some good good folks in it. Um, so it's a good little checklist. I was able to put that together because originally I bought a pair of boxes, and the thing is, um, I bought them at the card show. And these this is Topps Chrome, which is a good product. It's you know it's a good solid Topps product. I was buying those boxes which have stuff roughly equivalent to what we're talking about here in this Panini Prism product. But I was buying those for 80 to $85 per box for a hobby box. And that's with autographs. That's with autographs. Now, this product does have autographs and stuff like that, but here's the thing. 
so have all the other UFC products in this category. This is the first year of Prism, so it does have the debut edition thing on it because Panini just got the license. So this is the first year they can produce UFC cards. That's a big deal. But this is not a reflection of that. This is a reflection of the current state of the card hobby where the boxes are off the charts. Again, for contrast, 2018 Prism Football. So I'll bring it back to football now. I wanted to show you this for contrast, okay? 2018 Prism Football. And this is the Prism Football year where you could get the Lamar Jackson rookie. You could get the Josh Allen rookie. Baker Mayfield was a big name you could pull at that time. Josh Rosen was considered a prospect in 2018. Now, obviously, he hasn't panned out, but the other names I gave you have all had their moment. Sam Darnold was in it. Um, I think think I've named the five. The two Joshes, uh, Baker, Lamar, and and, uh, Sam Darnold. So you had five different quarterbacks who at different moments had their had their moment in the sun, at least briefly, other than Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the only one who just flat out just hasn't panned out. But the other guys all had their moments um, here and there, and some of them may still have more moments going forward. Josh Allen yeah. seems to be on the ascend. Lamar has been good. He's won an MVP, um, but it hasn't translated to playoff success. Baker just got to the playoffs with the Browns, which is borderline a miracle. He's going to have to play better, though, because if he's going to continue elevating, he's going to have to play better. But at least he's at least he's had these guys have had some taste of success, and Sam Darnold is going to get his shot in Carolina to potentially do something. So maybe he could have a renaissance. We'll see. The point is, this was a pretty good um, rookie class for quarterbacks, where you could pull these different guys, and they all potentially had some value even back then. The box of hobby was one hundred and seventy dollars Canadian. So this is in twenty eighteen again, yeah. three years. But but so here's my thing, okay? So is there any so if you bought that box, the twelve thirteen hundred dollar box? Yes. Is there any way that you can make your money back on that? Right now, as far as I know, I don't think so. So I would why would sh- anyone pay that? Because there are folks that think there's a possibility, but like I genuinely don't know what you could pull in that you I have to look at the checklist. I don't know what is in that UFC box that I feel would be because like, what if I pull, okay, so let, let me use an example. They have autographs and stuff. Amanda Nunez is still dominant. She's still mm-hmm. one of the dominant uh, female athletes there. And obviously female athletics have done better in cards mm-hmm. and stuff. The WNBA cards sold out and stuff like that. So, okay. Maybe you don't like Amanda Nunez. Maybe you like some of the other champions, maybe John Jones or something, but I'm thinking, I'm trying to think through like, okay, so let's say you pull an Amanda Nunez autograph, like one that I have. Okay. Like I bought the Tops one, and yeah. I think the Tops one cost me what was it? When I bought the Tops Chrome originally, I think it cost me like thirty bucks for the Amanda Nunez. Yeah. Which is pretty good price. I think it was very fair. I thought it was pretty good. Um, and again, she was dominant champ. She's still the champion right now. She right. she beat up Ronda Rousey and put her to retirement basically. <laughs> so pretty good. You know, pretty good run. And she basically semi-retired Misha Tate as well. Like, she's beat up almost everybody. She's basically cleared out the division. So, obviously done very well. Um, and she even beat Cyborg, one of the biggest names left. On, done. Took care of her, too. Um, but even then, like, okay, so if you pull a Chrome Amanda Nunes, is it going to be like a $500 card? Because if it is, mine should be worth more. <laughs> <laughs> because mine is from three years earlier and it's tops Chrome and it's a nice, it's on card autograph and it's got all that stuff going forward. But like, I don't think that's true. Yeah. So like for now, for comparison, I don't know what the, the new product is going to be with Trevor Lawrence in it because right now we've got the 2020 product right now. And Trevor Lawrence is not in that, but you do have uh, still Joe Burrow and those ones. So 
You've got those guys. So here's what the football box of select that just came out recently for football. So we'll use football. What's the price? Two thousand two ninety nine and ninety five cents. Now, in the football product, is it possible to pull something that might get you the value? Sure. You pull a Joe Burrow um, autograph patch out of ten gold version, maybe. Okay. You pull so the one a, of one. It's theoretically possible. Yeah, you, but you got to basically you got to pull a good name. Uh, it's got to be a really limited card. Um, and it's gotta be one of the rookie guys because Joe Burrow is still a rookie in this. Maybe you get a Tua and somebody really wants it. And it's like a really nice Tua. Uh, maybe that could work out for you. Um, there are guys, this checklist I've at least scanned. Um, or maybe you pull one of the main, okay. Maybe you pull a Tom Brady one-on-one, like you could do that or like a nice prism or something. And for some reason you like mediocre quarterbacks. So it maybe that's, maybe that's the ticket, but it's gotta be something like that. And it's gotta be really a rare piece. The UFC one. I don't get it. And I like the UFC. <laughs> I have fight pass. I enjoy it, but it's like, I don't see the value. I don't understand it, but it's the current market. So it doesn't matter. Prism WNBA yeah. sold out. Here's the thing. Bless them. Who's buying the product? Because the attendance is, it wasn't there. The TV viewership wasn't there. So who the hell cares about the WNBA? Other than its core base of fans, but they're not buying all those boxes of WNBA cards. There's no way. I don't buy that. I don't believe you. Yeah. Those who like it, I'm sure I'm sure we're happy to have the product or get the cards. I don't know if they were able to get their hands on the cards because they sold out pretty quick, all things considered. And some of that stuff is sold for good money. But it's like, I don't know what to tell you. But like right now it doesn't matter. Across the board, a lot of this stuff is selling out. Like you can't even get your hands on it. Yeah. That's Unless nuts. Man. Really, it's just nuts. It's just nuts. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at as far as that's concerned. Because, um, and uh, the UFC thing is almost in the same boat in some ways as what happened with the professional wrestling cards. Like a WWE stuff is selling out pretty well right now as well. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, oh, but you, you know, you can pull these superstars. Like, yeah, but a lot of these superstars have had products for years. What are you going to pull? Uh, well, you could get like, so you're going to say like John Cena, Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar, because all of those guys have had cards for years. Yeah. Even if you say, okay, I, oh, I love Becky Lynch and Charlotte. Cool. They've had autographed cards and memorabilia cards and things and cards going back to 2014, 2015. Yeah. It's not like it's, it's not some unique thing, right? Really? Yeah. This wouldn't be the first year that's been out. And you've had plenty of chances if that was your desire. But for some reason, now you're excited. Now you care about it. Okay. If you say so, whatever you guys say, I'll, I'll take it your word. But I don't know what, I don't know what else to add there. Like I got nothing. Yeah, like, and then you have to hit, like, you really have to hit to even get something decent, right? Yeah, and I was trying to think, like, that's what I say, in the same vein. I was trying to think, like, okay, so what is the hit? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So so I'll have to, I'll take a look at that checklist because I'm genuinely curious. I don't know who's in it, um, but I'm at a loss as to what the, um, as what the potential pull could be because I'd have to see. Um, Yeah. A lot of the guys that I could think of is like, yeah, okay, cool. There, maybe there's some cool stuff you could pull. Um, but I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. Nuts. It's just nuts, man. Oh, my God. So the oh, so the autograph checklist is only 20 cards. It's not bad. Okay, so let me quickly read you off the list of names on the autograph checklist. By the way, right. I don't expect the autographs to be the main draw, but for me, it's probably a draw just because it's interesting for me. Okay, 
So, and obviously you got parallels of all of these, but let's just talk about the main ones, the basic ones. Okay. Okay. So Donald Cerrone, um, Jose Aldo, Shogun Hua, Uriah Faber, Holly Holm, Cain Velasquez, Cody Garbrandt, Cody Covington, uh, Colby Covington, um, Davison Figueroa, Dominic Cruz, Francis Ngannou, Joanna, I know who that is, but I can't even pronounce the name. Uh, Justin Gaya, Max Holloway, Peter Peter Yan, Rose Namajunas, Sean O'Malley, Tony Ferguson, Valentina Shevchenko, and Alexander Gustafson. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Most of those people that I just named off, a bunch of them, um, Uri Faber, Holly Holm, Cain Velasquez, Dominic Cruz, uh, Joanna, Max Holloway, Sean O'Malley, Tony Ferguson, those people that I just named off, they were all in the 2018 set. I have all those autographs. Well, except for the Holly Home one. But I have all those other ones that I named off. Right. So this checklist is, it's not a bad checklist. It's not a terrible checklist, but it's like, okay, I don't think that's going to carry you. Um, yeah, that's not, there's not $2,000 worth of, you know, like not, none there. of those people that you could pull, even the best version of them, you're not going to get that value. The Valentina Chevchenko would be cool because she, she's good. I like her. Um, so that's fun. Uh, champion signature set. There's another checklist there. You got George St. Pierre, who's the one of the ones that I'm missing in the other one. Stipe Miocic and stuff like that. Junior Dos Santos. So great. Okay. So some decent, and Amanda Nunez is in that one. So that's cool, but Octagon signature. So they created a bunch of signature sets. Okay. So you can get Misha Tate and stuff like there's decent ones. Oh, they, oh, they, they cheated. They made like eight different signature checklists. Come on. That's trash. Trash. Yeah. You can, or you can get a Hoist Gracie if you want the sensational Ooh. signatures. Ooh, fancy. Uh, I would go to eBay and buy the singles. That's just that's my suggestion. Uh, don't buy the box. Just buy the singles. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, I'm just scanning through quickly. Knockout artists. So they got a bunch of... Yeah, they're just kind of regular inserts. Bunch of regular inserts, obviously with a lot of parallels and stuff. Uh, basically, you need a one of one or an out of ten of a really popular fighter and hope for the best. Good luck with that. Yeah, exactly. I think you will lose your. I think you'll lose your shirt, your pants, your house, and probably uh, half of your life savings in the divorce after you buy this box. Good to know. Well, I will not be buying that box, Carlos. And that applies, by the way, even if somebody's not married. As a result of buying this box, you will be married, and then they will take half of it in the divorce immediately after you finish opening the packs. They will marry you. They will marry you, thinking the box is worth it, and then realize, oh wait, it wasn't, and that's why they divorce you. But they still no. take half of everything. No, what happens is the box topper is a marriage certificate, and then after you're done opening it, you realize the mistake you made. <laughs> as soon as you open, it, no, it's like Amazing. sorry, you opened it legally binding. If if only eh? that'd be that'd actually be hilarious. Well, imagine the, imagine the box break. No. I love it. I love it, man. So there you go. You've all been educated. Yeah. Oh, goodness. The uh, the only thing I got that can save us is this. Well, Super Bowl Navi props are key, man. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have any right now. So it's like they could save us, but not right now. Well, they're going to save us. It's just going to be a while before they do. Yeah, yeah. All right. Wrestling, what do you got? So I was just curious about this. Um, While you're talking, for those of you who have the benefit of video, I will be rotating through some images. All right. Please continue. <laughs> should, so should I talk about – should we talk about Hogan first or you want to talk about 
Um, so I, I also started listening to the Steve Austin show uh, podcast, which is which got some good. Uh, in, it does have some interesting interviews. Um, but but this got me thinking last week after I watched the Roddy Piper biography, which I believe I mentioned on the last podcast. Mm-hmm. But to so my 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 question is is to you since you are the bigger fan and and have more knowledge than I do throughout the history of, of professional wrestling or sorry sports entertainment. Apparently, you're not even supposed to call it professional wrestling anymore. Well, according to Miss Wan, you're not. Yeah. So the greatest is how like I had I was listening to his interview with Steve Austin on the show, and Steve Austin keeps calling like he calls it professional wrestling all the time, and Vince McMahon's like trying to correct him. It's kind of funny. Well, because because Vince likes Vince wanted to convert it away from it because professional wrestling is what his dad did and stuff like that, and he wants to make it sports entertainment because if he makes it sports entertainment, he can pull a bunch of garbage. Remember, I told you uh, they. Vince McMahon is it's under his regime that they went away from dealing with the athletic commission. Correct. Because when they say it's sports entertainment, it's like if you say professional wrestling, here's the thing. Wrestling is a sport. Yes, it is. You know, Kurt Angle was an Olympic gold medalist in wrestling. Brock Lesnar was a NCAA champion in wrestling. So that is a sport. You can participate in the sport of wrestling, Mm -hmm. professional wrestling. See, in theory, you could have a professional, you could have people that go out there and wrestle professionally. They could have tournaments where they have a prize purse. That is possible. I don't think that exists. No, I don't think it does either. But if it did, those people would be professional wrestlers because that would be a sport. You would have a yes. sanctioning body. You'd have all those things. Agreed. You could theoretically have that. But this, the, this is not what that is. No, that's true. Uh, it's not a sport. It's, it's athletic. Yeah, there's elements right. of athleticism to it. It is a it is a televised state show. Yes, that you know, which is another reason I like the theatrical element of it. But my, my what I think, and I guess on that line is so to your mind, and and who who do you hold up in regard as your top uh, heel and your top babyface? Look at this guy using the vernacular. Look at this guy. So and or the, the, right now, until he actually says it, the pictures have nothing to what well, really have nothing to do with this conversation. But it's, it's, the, it's you know, but they're great pictures. Like they are, they're all the, great pictures. Like the, the, this is us enjoying the early days of Hulk Hogan's run as WBF champion with you know different you iterations know, you know of the title belt. Interesting about this one though that you that you have up now, which it says you know Hulk Hogan wins the belt and it says the day the Hulkster beat the Iron Sheik. It's mm-hmm. a sticker album. It looks like yeah, it looks like it's, it's not the belt. Book. Yeah, that's right. All right, he's holding a different belt than the yeah, one he the, actually. The first one, won the first day. one that I showed with the the, the the rounded green belt, that was the one they won, that he yeah. won. So if you're if you're watching it, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan had a, a multiple multitude of championship belts in a very short period of time, all for the same championship. Yeah, because apparently, I guess I guess Vince uh, kept getting bored of the design of the belt and kept trying to change it and trying to because he was trying to figure out what would stick. For him, it was like I was just trying to figure out what it was that he wanted it to look like, and then Hogan's job was just to carry around whatever version Vince thought yeah. of that day, until until eventually they settled in on the winged eagle design, which became famous. And from '88 onward until the early '90s, um, I would say the winged eagle stayed in effect from '88 until uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin won the title. So he won the winged eagle. And then soon after, um, they came up with a bigger version of the plate with rounded thing. Uh, and that was the one that Steve Austin would carry forward. The Rock would win and so on and so forth for a while until they would change the design more times going forward. Yeah. So there you go. There we go. So anyway, uh, so yeah, um, 
I'll answer the question, but then you'll have to let me know why in particular, because I thought we talked about this one before. Anyway, I so I don't think we did. I would, no, but really, I'll answer why right now. No, it became it, it came up because of of how it basically everyone they interviewed in the Roddy Piper document was basically like he's the best heel ever. That you know um, that 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 was the prevent. Now, granted, some of those were his family members, but uh, that that seemed to be the prevailing thought from the people interviewed in that in that documentary. Okay, so I'm going to go a little off the board because my favorites were different than a lot of people's. Um, I'm always a heel guy. My preference is always heel guy, but I can pick both. Uh, my favorite heel was a million dollar man. Mm-hmm. I loved I loved the overall bit with the presentation. I do wish they had. I w- That's do a wish good choice. Been, I do wish they had been a little less cartoonish with him because I feel like there could have been a really sinister edge to it as well if they had decided to go that route. Um, a good um, honorable mention uh, would be Jake the Snake Roberts because he had tremendous psychology with that side of it. And he knew how to talk and he knew how to present himself. He could be very sinister. Well, I think that – I think the, especially for a heel – Right. Yes. That I, I think the, the, the talking element and the be able to the ability to cut a promo is, is really key to, to making that work. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you have to be able to do that. If you Whereas can, I don't think you have to be as good at it to be a babyface. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is it's not like there aren't great heels like in the real world. In the real world, there are people see the thing about a heel, and I'll give you a quick one and then I'll give you the baby face in a second. But All the right. thing about a heel is the key is to get a great reaction. That's why I enjoy, like I said, I have an affinity for the heels. Well, healing, healing it up is not unlike being a troll, not unlike being a professional troll, a mm-hmm. master troll. If only you get paid for it, Carlos. Uh, you know, it is what it is. But it's getting a reaction out of people. And if you can get a reaction out of people, you're a master heel. Now imagine, like this is not even in the world of wrestling, but imagine if you were so skilled at what you do that you could get someone to react to something you say. Like you say something and they react like this. Like just look. You said yes. the words and it's like, look. <laughs> See, aren't you glad that I asked this question? Therefore, you could go back to that New York Giants fan picture. Well, not only that, I, if you notice, I cropped it and made it. So, that, so now I, I might have that picture now available for memeing purposes. Just, just saying. I might. Allegedly. 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 Just – Fair enough, man. It's a great, uh, it's a great one. You just need, but imagine if you have that ability to get that kind of reaction just by saying words, like say Kadarius Tony. It's great. It's fantastic. See, Roger Goodell healing it up. He knows how. He knows how to do this. Um, but anyway, uh, you should see what happens when he when he talks about when he talks about you know the next time around that he's going to go to Madison Square Garden or he's going to go to you know uh, MetLife Stadium. You know what you're going to do. <laughs> you, you'll see. Wait, wait until Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell's promo skills are underrated, my friend. Look, if, we he, start, he can, if, he, if somehow we get Goodell three sixteen, I'm out. I'm just saying that man I'm can out. get people to boo, Dave. That man can get people to boo. Sometimes he even has, has to start talking, and they're already booing. That's true. Also true. That's why Roger Goodell is the greatest heel of our current time. I, okay, I'll give you that. For current time, he's got this. He's got this. But um, okay. So babyface and wrestling. Um, 
Now, I have to think about this one a little bit because I'm just because a lot of the ones that I like also kind of go back and forth. Right. Because some of the characters sometimes will go back and forth. So I'm just trying yep. to think. Um, but I would say I would say somebody you don't, it doesn't mean necessarily it has to be somebody who hasn't gone back and forth. They could obviously go back and forth. But I think if you look at both sides of that personality, then they've really done the better job with the baby face. Right. Yeah. I'm just trying to think like who did a particularly good job with it. Um, it really is more fun thinking about the heel, though. But the thing is, the part of the reason though is, is it is more fun. Yes, but I'll, I'll tell you why I'm why I'm thinking I'm thinking hard about it, is that most baby faces are really dull, or they try to make them cool, which which actually makes it not good. It actually makes it worse. It's got to it's got to feel a little bit organic, and if it doesn't, it's kind of terrible. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think who would qualify. You know what? I you know who did a good job uh, being a. Um, being a baby face, um, I want to say I really liked. Uh, I like when Savage did uh, when Randy Savage did did a couple runs. I do think he was better as a heel, but I didn't mind him as a baby face. He was good because he still had the intensity. He would still bring the intensity. The problem with Savage, I would say, the only the only knock I have on it is that sometimes when Savage was a um, a baby face, the fact that he would bring the intensity also meant that sometimes he was stupid. Mm-hmm. Like he would take the intensity to the point that he would like do things that were detrimental to him. So maybe so Savage would probably be because I do still enjoy his personality and how he brought to it. You know what? Maybe here maybe this would be the best one. Um top to bottom, who did the best overall job as a baby face. Um, Sting. Mm. Sting from WCW. Because I think he was able to like when he was surfer sting, it was kind of lame, but when he was like crow sting. He balanced it pretty well because he could he could still do his thing. He could still be a good guy, but he was able to add it with a little bit of the brooding thing, which I thought made his character a little more interesting. But then he would still be a good guy, and then he'd like whack the bad guy with his baseball bat. So yeah. he could still kind of balance the two a little bit. Gotcha. There are other guys that would be a little bit more obvious, but like John Cena was a baby's face forever, but I always thought he was lame. And to be honest, like later on, I would appreciate his wrestling more, but I still thought his character was lame. Yeah. They tried with Roman Reigns for years. I thought his character was lame. Now he's a heel. He's much better. But that testament to how bad he was as a babyface, not entirely his fault, by the way. Sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes it's the material they're given. Yeah. The other guy who probably did a pretty good job, uh, I would almost say Bret Hart, but the problem is like, Bret Hart is kind of whiny at all times. Great wrestler, but very whiny. He was. I think I was thinking this the other day because I was reading that he was going off on Triple H, right? Which, which I don't mind, by the way. That part I don't, I'm okay. I don't either. That part I'm, I'm okay. I was never, I'm never a fan of of, of his. Uh, but basically, you know, saying that uh, the only reason he has anything is because he's the son-in-law of Vince McMahon. Not wrong. Right? Not completely wrong. <laughs> but it, but it's it's that idea that I think you brought it up a while in one of our conversations where you you said that. Bret Hart takes it a little bit too seriously. 150%. Totally. 100%. Like, the man literally buys his own hype and everything. Look, if you compliment <laughs> Bret Hart, he's your biggest fan in the world. So I'm laughing because of the Carl's put this as said this conversation is a 100%, show in a nutshell. 100%. Yes. It, it, am I wrong? No. 
but um, no, the man buys his own hype. Look, if you if you compliment this man, he look. I swear to God, if we if we if we spent the next ten minutes um, complimenting Bret Hart on like every good match, every good hold he's ever had, or whatever, and just send the clip to him, he will sit there as like, guys, all these podcasts suck because they suck like Triple H. But you got to check out the unnecessary analysis podcast. They're real. They're real. They know how. They know what it is. It's like, have you ever listened to the show? No. But I listened to a ten minute clip in which they complimented me. In which case, now I like them. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. I, you know what? In the hashtag sponsor us world, I'm okay if we want to just you know cut a cut a clip that we can send to Bret Hart and see if he'll say something nice about us. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Hi, I'm Bret Hart, and I approved this podcast. I'm down for that. There you go. Exactly. I mean, he still lives in Calgary, so it can't be that hard to get to him. Exactly. But that's the thing, though. Like, um, and like I said, the guy takes it way too seriously. Um, which is fine. That's your prerogative. But it's like it does leave you coming off as consistently bitter, like about yeah. everything. It it's really like, does. It's like, look, man, just you had a great career. Um, was it everything you wanted? Clearly not, because you seem to be c- complaining about everything all the time. But it was still a really good career. And a lot of people do appreciate what you did, like your work. So just chill out and enjoy it. And the, the Goldberg Steel Play promo was A+. plus. Yeah, that was, that was, that was entertaining. Um, I did miss one that should have been obvious to me, but I, I kept getting stuck on it because of the way the character was. Uh, you know who had the best baby face run? I liked, like I said, I liked Sting. Because I thought he was very consistent. He did a good job with consistency. Not Hogan, man? No. no. Um, Hogan was a heel even when he was face. <laughs> um, but why anyway. you say, Sorry, why do you say that? I, I, can you elaborate on that? Oh, I, I can, yeah. No. Oh, dude. 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 Hold on. So the important – this has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter. But it doesn't I, matter. I, I still want it on the screen. Um, so anyway. Okay. So here's the thing. Hogan was a jackass. He was an asshole. Even when he's a good guy, he's an asshole. He, he, he's like the most entitled jackass in the world. It was the best. And, and they like, they would play it up. Like it's like Hogan is, you know, is just it, Hogan is just, you know, fighting for, for, for his rights and stuff. And I'm like, no, he's not. He's being a jackass. And this was like in the midst of like the height of his popularity in the early nineties and whatever in the late eighties. And I'm sitting there like, okay, I'll give you a great example. Um, Royal Rumble 1992 which I think was one of the best shows. That was the one That's where, the one that Ric Flair wrestled yeah, the entire the thing and, and, yeah. and won it. Yeah. Yeah. He was like number two or number three and then wrestled all the way to the end, won the title. A great performance by him. Fantastic performance. Great promo at the end. Did a great job. Um, really good work by them. One of the character pieces they were working on is they wanted to get Sid Justice, Psycho Sid later, Sid Justice to feud with Hogan. So the objective was to get, uh, was to get it so... Um, was to get it so Sid would eliminate Hogan and then Hogan would eliminate Sid and it would lead to the feud at WrestleMania 8, basically, which is what happened. Um, and I think it was WrestleMania 8. Yeah, I think it was a huge dome. I think that's right. Okay, so anyway, you, somebody can correct me if I got my timeline right, but I think I'm correct on this one. Okay. Um, so, so that happened. Uh, Sid Justice threw him over the top rope and then Hogan is over the top rope. Now, here's the thing. In the Royal Rumble, the tagline is every man for himself. Right. The objective of this is to throw everyone over the top rope, friend or foe, so that you're the last one and you win. Right. In particular, in a Royal Rumble where the stakes are, the winner of this Rumble actually wins the title outright. As opposed to winning a title shot, you actually win the title outright. So you win this thing, you're the champion. So you want to win. The point is you want to win. 
So this is the thing. This was supposed to be this this whole idea here is that Vince McMahon in his twisted mind is like, okay, so we're going to have Sid Justice betray Hulk Hogan by throwing him over the top rope. I'm like, betray him by doing the purpose of the match? Yeah. This is literally the point of the match. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, even if it had they decided that it was going to be those two at the end, it would have still got to go. Yeah, like, so if Hogan throws Sid Justice over, it's it's good? Because it's the same premise. You have to do it. Even if they were both good guys going into it, supposedly. Right. Um, one has to throw the other over the top rope if one's going to eliminate the other. That's how it has to happen. Like, that's what needs to occur. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened is, Sid Justice threw him over the top rope. But here's the thing. Um, in the replays and stuff, and on the network and all that, they would show a clip. And, it, and you know, when Sid Justice throws him over, um, you can hear the crowd booing and whatever. But if you go back to the original footage, because people, some people have the original footage, when he threw him over the top rope, people cheered. By that point, Hogan had kind of worn out his welcome. People were kind of tired of him because he'd been the champion for a four-year run there yeah. and then won the championship again and again and again. And like he had been – and he won a bunch of Royal Rumbles. Like the man had already won so many things and he was always putting himself on top constantly. He was consistently there. It was overexposure. He had been there yeah. too much that the fan base had kind of turned on him a little bit. There were still fans that cheered him, the kids and stuff still liked him, but a lot of the fans, even the teenage fans and stuff were like, "Okay, we're sick of this guy. Give us somebody else." Like, enough already. Well, I mean, I think Give that's, us a break. that's in good storytelling. Yeah. Right? There is too, there is too much of a good thing. There can be. But they just couldn't get over it and they couldn't stop doing it. So in this case though, the idea is we're supposed to be sympathetic to Hogan. We're supposed to be sympathetic to Hulk. Oh, you know, his friend, Sid literally every friend Hulk Hogan ever had at WBF always betrayed him. So you think maybe Hulk Hogan should stop trying to make friends inside of the wrestling federation because they all turn on him, every single one, for years. <laughs> it's like, maybe you should stop befriending these people. Clearly, none of them like you. <laughs> all of them would turn on you. And it, this became the running joke for years. During his entire title reign, every feud, trust me, everybody he ever feuded with basically – most of them, at one point or another, were his friends. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Hulk Hogan's friends, until he betrayed him. Which led to a title match and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, then, and then, you know, look, at one point, for like five seconds, I believe, I could be mistaken on this, but I think I'm right. At one point, the honky-tonk man is a bad guy. He was a bad guy. He was a great bad guy. But for like five seconds, some point in the 80s there, in like the mid-80s, the honky-tonk man was Hulk Hogan's best friend. Until he betrayed him. Stop me if this sounds familiar. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's like everybody. The Macho Man was Hulk Hogan's friend until the mega powers collided as WrestleMania 5 when Macho Man betrayed Hulk Hogan. And I'm like, guys, really? Like, do we have to keep going to the well? Is this the only well you have? Do you not have another well? Yeah, exactly. So Hogan is friends with everybody and everybody betrays Hulk Hogan. Poor Hogan. Poor Hogan. Like, he he doesn't have a friend in the world. It's just awful. So who's... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, okay, so two things real quick. So first one, my favorite, uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, who was okay. his who was his real life buddy. In WCW, uh, he had a bunch of lame gimmicks, but at one point, one of the gimmicks resulted in Brutus the Barber Beefcake attacking Hulk Hogan, and then leads to a title match. Of course, <laughs> of course, right? But then everybody's sitting there like, this dude sucks. Why does he get a title match? He's Hulk Hogan's best buddy. Back in the back in the old days, um, you ever looked up the Boulder Brothers? No. Oh, so good. Okay, so I- ask your question, and then I'll find the clip. No, you're gonna. So sorry, you're saying your actual babyface is Brutus Beefcake? No, no. Yeah, my so actual, was, my that actual was the one I was gonna ask you. Who's your no, actual the, the, babyface? 
like I said, Sting was a good choice, but then the one I was thinking of as I thought about it a little bit more, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, technically. Yeah. Because Stone Cold Steve Austin had an amazing run, especially when he has uh, the the Austin McMahon thing. Yep. But the thing is, I didn't think of him as a babyface, like in my mind, because he always, he, he was still kind of heelish in the way he would act. But since Vince McMahon was the bad guy, clearly, in this exchange, he is basically the babyface by default. Yeah. And he did a very good job because he would kick everybody's ass. So it was still fun, like for what it was, but he was the babyface. But in my brain, I wasn't registering him as one. But technically, as far as the best, having a best run in that way, it's hard to beat Austin. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, he did an amazing job with that. So I, I would say then Austin. Like, but like I said, for consistency and like consi- maintaining a consistent level, Sting's a really good choice. A really good choice. Uh, so give me one second here. Um, see if I can find it. Okay, here we go. I think this is the right one, I believe. Okay, okay, here we go. This is perfect. Oh, you're going to love this. This is amazing. All right. <clears throat> so good. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, those of you who get the video are going to get to enjoy this. Those of you who uh, who are not are going to get to listen to audio only. Not quite as good, but I- I'm telling you, this is worth the video. Okay. All right. So I'm going to play this. This is a promo from 1979 from Memphis Wrestling. Memphis. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Terry Boulder giving a promo against Ron Bass. Pay attention and see if you can recognize the person giving the promo. And then I'll explain the other person on the screen other than the interviewer after. All right. Now I've given you the background and context. All right. Here we go. So I will put this up here. Uh, Here we go. And make sure I've got the audio on. All right. Ready? Ready. Talk about Mr. Bass for a minute. Uh, one of the most tragic events in his life is just about to take place this Monday when I get my hands on him. There's just been a little bit of a problem. Where we come from, there's a bad junkyard dog in Port Tampa, you know, and he was always beating on all the little dogs and biting on their ears and everything. And all of a sudden, a little bit bigger dog came along. And last Monday in Memphis, my brother dropped so many eyes, I mean, so many elbows on uh, Mr. Bass's head that his eyes kind of look like goofy grape, you know. <laughs> well, now Mr. Bass is running scared because the big dogs get on him. Well, there's just a little bit bigger dog that's after you, brother, and that's me. And this Monday night in Memphis, Daddy, when I get a hold of you, Mr. Bass, I'm going to take you and bury your head right in the mat, brother. I'm going to teach you a little bit of a wrestling lesson and a little respect for these good people around here. And I'm going to put the super southern squeeze on you, Daddy. And when I get done with you, brother, I'm going to squeeze all that meanness out of you and all those bad ways you have. And I'm going to turn you over to these people in Memphis and let them whip on you a little bit after you're down and out. That's a promise I'm going to make to everybody here. And I'm going to have my running shoes on. So if you plan on running one more time from me, I'm coming after you. And if I catch you in the dressing room, I'm going to drag you all the way back out to the ring. Mm. So, um, very important. Just so, just so we're clear. So, you, you know who this is, right? Yeah, it's Hogan. Correct. But, that's, but this is Southern Hogan. He's got the Southern squeeze, daddy. Yeah, right? I mean, that's what I said. Like, we watch With a smidge of an accent. Just, just a little bit of a, like a really bad accent. Right. It's I mean, his game definitely uh, was upped as he went along. That's for Correct. sure. Yeah. So this is Hogan in 1979. OK, so who's the guy on the left? Uh, is that Brutus Beefcake? That is Brutus the Barber Beefcake back when he was Terry Boulder's brother. They were the Boulder brothers. Nice. 
So, so he was associated with a good friend, Hulk Hogan, way back in the day, back in the Memphis days. But back then, you see, he was his brother, brother. You know, you got to put, you got to mention brother as much as you possibly can, right? Brother. Brother. Or daddy, if you prefer. Yeah, no, I prefer brother. <laughs> I prefer brother. Did it, does it make you all a little uncomfortable to know that Hogan, before he was brother, 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 was brother, brother, daddy, daddy. Yeah. Brother, 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 daddy, daddy. Just a little uncomfortable? Just a little bit. But there you go. But back in the days when Hogan had a little more hair and Brutus Barbicate had his own uh, blonde mane. Good to know, man. I appreciate Brutus it. These are the references I bring to you people. I brought you Memphis Wrestling from 1979. You're welcome. Oh, and the people are thankful for that. See? These are the things that I do for you guys. And now you know. Back in the day before the leg drop, it was the sudden squeeze. Yeah. It was, just a, bear, it was a bear hug. Literally just wow. a bear hug. Hogan was big enough, his arms were big enough, that they just rolled with it. Yeah. You should see some. You should see some of the classic promos, though. That back in the early days of Hogan, the best one for me was when they were introducing him into the AWA as Hulk Hogan. Did you ever see that though? No, I oh. watch it. You sent it to me. I'll watch it. I'll watch it though. Yeah, it, it was pretty short because they were just doing promos. Um, they were just doing little promos that they would air on the TV show, and it was hilarious. I'll find it and then I'll send it to you. But it's literally like they'll pan up the camera from his legs. But then they would have like an over, like an, a voiceover guy who would like, it's like his legs are as wide as tree trunks. It's like, you know, it's like, and his chest expands to a ridiculous whatever, whatever amount of inches. And they, like they would give like specs on Hogan. But then Hogan was just like standing there like posing and like flexing his entire body. And that was the promo. He didn't say a damn word. It was the voiceover guy doing all the work, but he was like, Ugh, Just a precursor to what would come later. Yeah. Now I love know. it. Now you know. Good times, brother. <laughs> so good. So very good. So now you know. That's how it is. All right, man. Yep. And so another one in the books. All right. So I think that'll be good. So now you got a little bit of everything. We'll keep an eye on the Aaron Rodgers thing because that'll be interesting for me. But like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if it takes a couple more weeks to maybe June. Uh, I wouldn't shock me if that was what comes next. Makes sense. Makes sense. So we'll definitely see if that's true. Um, and if that's the case, then so be it. Um, and then next after that will be, um, you know, we're, we're going to start creeping close to the, uh, the NHL playoffs. We're down to the home stretch here of games before we start getting into the playoff side of things. Yeah. So that'll be coming soon. And uh, we'll kind of keep an eye on that. Uh, we'll see if the Dallas Stars can actually make it to the playoffs. They're making a late run, but uh, they got some work to do. Yeah, so after getting a cup final, they might miss the playoffs entirely. To the shock of not me. Yeah. <laughs> I called that one just fine. I had no issue calling that one. But anyway, so that's it for us this time around. If you check out the video on you, it's available on YouTube. It is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your things. I've been this will be the if I can manage, this will be the third show in a row that gets the audio. Do it. We can do it. You're doing it. You can do it. We can do it. But uh, yeah, so if we manage that, but not to get the full effect, guys, you got to go to the YouTube channel. Unnecessary announcements podcast. You you would have gotten a beautiful promo from 1979 Memphis. And you would have gotten to see the face of the New York Giants, the face of memes going forward. Which is really, that's the key. That's what you missed from this podcast. Like there's, there can be no doubt about this. Like in all honesty, like, is there anything else that we can add? Like, 
We know how this is. We know what this is. Indeed. And that'll be Glorious. what takes us out. That'll Glory. be what takes us out. Just look at that man's face, those of you who are seeing the video, and just understand that they're like, who is this guy? I who? And that's the New York Giants in a nutshell. The New York football Giants. Anyway, so that's it for us. We'll catch you in the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. <laughs>